Evan Prater is still here, and that might be the most significant storyline heading into the 2023 Bearcats football season. I'll explain. Our Locked On Bearcats, your daily podcast on the Cincinnati Bearcats, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is the start of a new week, and we are so happy that you made Locked On Bearcats your first listen of every day, free and available everywhere you get your podcasts, including right here on YouTube. Don't forget to subscribe to our Locked On Bearcats YouTube channel. Follow it, too, to get an alert every time we drop a new episode. Today's episode of Locked On Bearcats is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your 2023 goals, post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. My name is Alex Frank, your host each and every day right here on Lockdown Bearcats. We are part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Evan Prater is still here. And the big thing is this year, I believe, is his last chance. It's his last chance to prove that he can be a starter. So that first off, he's worthy of significant playing time. But as far as a starter is concerned, that could apply to this year. I think that's more so for 2024. But how Evan Prater fares in spring practice, by the way, the spring game, April 15th, Saturday, April 15th. So looking forward to that, looking forward to hopefully being there for that. How Evan Prater fares in practice in the spring is going to tell us a lot. If he learned anything from the two games he started, if he still struggles in practice as he did last year, if he's a fit in Satterfield's system, is he more accurate? So there were four questions that I just uh, posed to you. First off, if you learned anything from the two games he started last year, and those two games were a struggle. But as I mentioned, they were under circumstances that weren't necessarily ideal for someone making his first two starts. Question two if he still struggles in practice as he did last year, Russ Heldman every Thursday on this show would say the reason why Prater's not playing or starting is because he was struggling in practice. So the coaching staff did not want that in a game. If he is a fit in Scott Satterfield's system, is he more accurate? Those are four questions. If the answer to three of those four questions are yes and a positive, then that's a good thing. The only question that you want a no to is struggling in practice. Because again, the plan for whatever the Bearcats do at quarterback is focused on this year, but there also needs to be a plan in place for next year. With Jones and Bryant leaving after this year, that leaves you with Drogosh and Prater. I know there's Jacob Hoying. If you go on GoBearcats.com and look at the roster, you'll see Jacob Hoying is listed. He's a redshirt sophomore. But you don't know if there's going to be a quarterback in the 2024 class. You think there will be, but you'll know who that's going to be and how serious can they give Bryant, or I'm sorry, Prater and Drogosh are run for their money. But Evan Prater, there is a case to be made that he might be the most important player in this program right now. Because let's say he continues to be a liability and not live up to his potential. That puts a lot more pressure on this program, both this year and next year. And even if the Bearcats do well this year, you don't know what the future holds in 2024. You know Brady Drogosh is good. I mean, he's 
as highly rated of a recruiter as he is because he's good and possesses dual threat abilities. Four-star quarterback. But you don't know how that's going to translate. So far with Evan Prater, it hasn't. And it may turn out to be that Evan Prater's potential never gets realized. Let's say Emory Jones does struggle this year. You want to have someone with Prater's skill set to come in. Now, this is if Prater ends up ahead of Drogosh on the depth chart. There's a chance he may not. You don't want Ben Bryant coming in if Emory Jones struggles. I don't know if Ben Bryant is really going to have much of a chance to start. That's a topic for another day. Evan Prater, you want him in if Emory Jones does struggle because he has gotten playing time. He did run the ball well against Tulane. He did have the game-winning touchdown against USF. The times he came into the games in 2021, he performed well. Because hopefully after this year, Prater is going to be staying. Bryant's leaving. Drogosh is only a freshman. And so you want an experienced guy, a guy who's been here for five years and who came in with all this pedigree and accolades from high school. And he was the he's the highest rated offensive commit in the 24-7. I think he's the highest rated commit ever in the 24-7 sports era. I should know this. Yes, I do know this. Highest rated commit in the 24-7 sports era for Cincinnati for the Bearcats football. And he's not going to realize his potential. That's the storyline that could be a reality. And it's hard to swallow. That's a hard pill to swallow as a fan. Because you loved him. Last year, you loved him when he first committed. This is about to turn to a bust in college football. Evan Prater might be the most important player in this program right now if you're talking about its future. If you're talking about the present, that's your hometown heroes most of whom are on defense. And the focus, again, should only be on this year because this year could tell us what the Bearcats could look like in the Big 12. Matter of fact, it is going to tell us what the Bearcats could look like in the Big 12. And one question I don't want to have after this season is about Evan Prater. Because I don't want to have to ask, well, can he be the guy next year? You know, is he going to transfer? I don't want to have to ask questions because I the tools. I think he can fit in Scott Satterfield's system. I think Emory Jones can fit in Scott Satterfield's system. But if Emory Jones struggles, who do you want to go into the game? Ben Bryant? Experience-wise, okay. But he doesn't have the skill set that Prater has, or Drogosh for that matter. You want a guy like Evan Prater to finally see the potential that he came in with. It, it has been a frustrating experience for some of you, maybe a maddening experience, but I just keep thinking those two games, for as bad as they were, they were not played under ideal circumstances. In fact, and I don't mean to blame Tyler Scott for this, the first game, Tyler Scott dropped the touchdown pass. Evan Prater threw it right on his hands. If Tyler Scott catches that ball and runs into the end zone, a lot of things are different. But don't tell me the Bearcats lost that game because of Evan Prater. They lost that game because they couldn't stop Tulane's offense. They lost that game because their defense could not close the deal in, in, in another late-game situation, just as they didn't do against Central Florida and just as they didn't do against Arkansas. And the, Fen and the Wasabi Fenway Bowl, those were not ideal circumstances. The, 
the receiving core was in the transfer portal. The only receiver he really had to throw the ball to is Wyatt Fisher, and Louisville's defense absolutely harassed him. Seven sacks. Those are not circumstances I want a quarterback who's finally getting his opportunity to play under. And I give him major credit, Evan Prater, for staying. Because with a coaching change, with a new quarterback in the transfer portal, and Brady Drogosh now on his heels, the outlook for him this spring, heading into this spring, is not nearly as bright as last year's. And yet he's still here. And how he answers those four questions I mentioned. Did he learn anything from those struggles in the first two games? Is he going to still struggle in practice? Is he a fit in Scott Satterfield's system? And the fourth question does: is he more accurate? If the answer is yes to three of those four questions, and the answer is no to him still struggling in practice, you have something not only that can help you this year, but next year. Bearcats. And that is why I'm going to keep talking about this. That Evan Prater still being here, significant storyline, heading into 2023. Because he's a highest commit in the 24-7 sports era for Bearcats football. Coming up, what to expect individually from both the offense and defense in 2023. I'll get into all of that after I tell you how this episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. As a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that 2023 all depends on the team members. You have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. With LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. Um, I got a lot of personal hiring stories from Bearcast Media, all positive. We just posted who we were looking for, what we were looking for, posted um, the positions on LinkedIn, and we were flooded with um, a lot of great candidates. LinkedIn Jobs helps you quickly attract qualified candidates to your open jobs with targeting tools. They go beyond resume data by using insights from your job post company, or I'm sorry, using insights from your job post company and their 875 million member profiles to put your post in front of the most qualified candidates, identify the most qualified candidates on LinkedIn Jobs and connect them with connect with them fast and for free. LinkedIn Jobs makes it easy to screen and rate applicants based on your job qualifications all on one platform. We got big goals in 2023. The right team member can help us do just that. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Excuse me. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That's linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. Thanks again for making Lockdown Bearcats your first listen every day. Make sure you check out our brand new podcast, Lockdown College Basketball, everything you need to know about college basketball all in one place. Plus, here for big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players, Lockdown College Basketball, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast. So the Cincinnati, uh, uh, we'll get to basketball in segment three. Uh, very impressive win of the weekend for the Bearcats over UCF. But back to the gridiron, offensively and defensively. Defensively for Cincinnati. It defensively, um, what I would tell you is I don't expect them to be that great, like 2020 great or 2018 great, but I think they can be really good. The first two levels to me are almost set. I'm talking the defensive line and linebackers. Your interior line is not only set, but it has depth. Briggs, Corleone, Malik Van, 
if the because the Bearcats are going to a four-two-five. Now they could use three defensive tackles, put a bigger body on one of the ends. But my thinking is okay, four-two-five. That's going to be two defensive ends and two interior linemen. So you can't have three playing at one time unless you go in goal line packages or third down packages. You could see all three of them, but um, typically you're going to see two of Briggs, Corleone, and Van. That has a lot of depth and a lot of experience. And this defense was pretty good last year without Malik Van. Now imagine what it could do with him healthy. And if you need um, any proof that Malik Van is going to help, the Bearcats allowed almost five more yards per carry in 2021 or 2022 as opposed to 2021. That's up almost 40 yards from 2020. I'm sorry, yards per game rushing. Excuse me, not yards per carry. Yards per game rushing. Five more yards per game. And from 2020, that's up over 40 yards per game. Not only was it missing Malik Van last year and Dante Corleone for the final two games, but teams eventually caught on to the 3-3-5 because I'm going to be honest, in a way, it became too vanilla of a defense. It didn't do anything besides forced turnovers, really. And when the turnovers didn't come, that's when this defense ran into trouble. They didn't get any turnovers against Tulane. Um, they got one fumble against Arkansas. But when they need, but in big games like um, UCF, they did force a turnover. But man, I mean, that was like luck. Last year, Louisville's defense, new defensive coordinator Brian Brown, Louisville gained 30 turnovers. Bearcats got 21. But keep in mind, turnovers are such a hard statistic to sustain year after year. And it felt to me last year the Bearcats relied on turnovers more because they couldn't just be secure in the fact that one half of the field was taken from them because of how dominant Sauce Gardner was. Now you're entering this season without Javon Hicks, without Arquan Bush, who were two of your best playmakers on defense. And the question I have now is, can the guys still hear, like Amorian Smith, Brian Threats, can the guys still hear make enough plays? If the defense does what it did last year in terms of stopping opponents in every game that was not considered a big game in a game the Bearcats should have won, then this defense still is going to be really good. You saw Brian Brown and how good their defense was uh, last year at Louisville. In 2022, top 25 in numerous categories. He's now bringing all of that here to Cincinnati. Offensively, I think to me, and Charlie Goldsmith, who covers the Bengals and Reds for the Cincinnati Inquirer, he was on... Um, Cincy 360, Friday afternoon with Tony Pike, former Bearcats quarterback in Austin Elmore. He brought this up, and it's a really interesting point. He said the Bearcats offense this year is going to remind him a lot of the 2020 Bengals. And if you remember the Bengals in 2020, we saw the potential that was there within that offense. Burrow was incredibly sharp. T. Higgins, you saw the potential he had. Tyler Boyd was as solid as a rock. And it offered hope for the following year. We all know what happened then. If that's what the Bearcats offense can do this year. Now, the, the challenges are much greater than the Bengals because the Bengals in 2020, they had their receivers, but they didn't have an offensive line. The Bearcats this year, we're going to talk about this more on Wednesday. They don't have either of those two positions set. And I'm telling you, that is going to factor heavily into what the Bearcats do in 2023. But if the Bearcats offense can show signs of what a Scott Satterfield offense can look like, this team can still be competitive. And this offense is going to offer you hope for 2024. That's what I expect in the offense this year. And that's with 
or I should say that's what I hope, but your expectation should be low for this offense. You don't know who the quarterback is going to be. You don't know who's going to start up front on the offensive line. You don't know who's going to uh, catch passes. When you don't know the answer to those three questions, that is where you run into problems. Coming up, a question that was answered about the Bearcats men's basketball. Explain what that question was after I tell you how this episode of Lockdown Bearcats is brought to you by Built Bar. Looking for a delicious treat but don't want all the fat and calories, then you got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat a little healthier this year. If you're like me where you want to eat healthier but don't want to compromise taste, then man, just a thing for you. you got to try Built with Built Healthies Actually Tasty. Seriously, they're so delicious, you won't even think they're good for you. Perfect for your New Year's resolution. What makes Built Bar so good? Well, for starters, they're all covered in 100% real chocolate. That's right, real chocolate, and they come in unbelievably good flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond. I'm not sure how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. And what's even better is that they are healthy. Only 130 calories and 4 grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein. And now you don't need to wait around to get a box for years. We've been talking about ordering your Built Bars at Built.com. Guess what? Now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's Club. That's right. Head to your nearest Walmart today. Walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of Built Bars. You can pick up a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, or coconut puffs. If you if you're close to Sam's Club, run in and grab a 13-bar box with our hit flavors, brownie batter, and churro. You can thank me later. Built Bar is revolutionizing deliciousness while maintaining healthiness. Saturday afternoon was a big, big win for Bearcats men's basketball. A big, big win. The Bearcats. Um, the Bearcats finding a way to beat UCF 73-64. to And the question that was answered was, could this team close the deal against a quality opponent? And they did with a resounding final two minutes. David DeJulius, who really is becoming a clutch player right before our eyes, um, a key assist to Victor Locken, who was tremendous once again on Saturday, um, 20 points for him, for Locken. For uh, Julius with a three to ice the game that also put him over the 1,000-point mark at Cincinnati. A tremendous performance from him. More on him in just a minute. But the Bearcats finally closed the deal against a quality opponent, and that's something that this team can build on in a crucial game tomorrow night. Because this game against Central Florida, first off, I thought the Bearcats came out aggressive. I thought, especially on the defensive end, Defensively, they made life, they made excuse me life rough for UCF. They really did. Um, I thought the Bearcats' defense was getting after it. They forced turnovers. They took the ball away with steals. They were there were back to back dunks off steals in the first half. And the next thing you know, the Bearcats are up by 16, 49 to thirty three. And you're feeling pretty good especially with the way the defense played. Um, So 49-33 with about 10 minutes to play. Now, then all of a sudden, the Knights decided to get back in the game. UCF over a span of eight to just over two minutes to play in the game. And this is without their three best players. UCF's three best players were not playing in the game on Saturday. They made four threes, and they outscored the Bearcats 27-11. to 
And everybody had to be thinking, here we go again. Were the Bearcats really going to let a team who was reeling coming in, having lost four straight games, were they going to really let the let the UCF Knights come all the way back and beat them on their home floor with 24 turnovers? And the answer was no. The Bearcats clamped down and closed out the game. That's what great teams do. The Bearcats aren't a great team yet, but I think they're a really good team that is starting to find itself a little bit. We're heading down the stretch in conference play, and there are going to be some much bigger challenges than what than what the Bearcats faced on Saturday. This Bearcats team, down the stretch, made free throws. Landers Nolly made plays. David DeJulius made plays. They did everything UCF did not. And David DeJulius, I mean, what a performance. My player of the game, 19 points, 7 assists, 7 of 10 from the floor, 4 of 6 from 3. He's averaging almost 8 assists per game over his last 5. He's averaging 4.75 for the season. Entered Saturday, top 5 in the AAC. He has 114 assists overall. I mean, he is having, I mean, he's, yes. Did he struggle early? Yes. Did you want him to perform better in big games? Yes. Well, now he's doing it. I mean, no matter what you think about him, he is the heart and soul of this team. And he has been since 2021. If we look at these statistics, David DeJulius right now, when it comes to assists, is fourth in the conference with 4.75 per game. He is third in total assists behind only Jamal Shedd of Houston and Kendrick Davis of Memphis. And Kendrick Davis, I mean, that's saying a lot. Um, as far as scoring, the Bearcats do have someone in the top 10. That's Landers Nolly II at 15.8 points per game. Rebounding, the Bearcats do not have someone in the top 10, but Landers Nolly is 14th. But when you look at what David DeJulius is doing and the fact that he willed this team to victory, it was him, it was Landers Nolly who didn't have, you know, another worldly night shooting from three. But when you watch him play, and Dan Horde talked about this on the broadcast Saturday, he talked about this on the coaches show Thursday night. You see the happiness that Landers Nolly the second plays with. Because that's the culture Wes Miller has created. And I was talking about this with Jason Williams Saturday night on 700 WLW. Um, and I think this was mentioned earlier in the week. The Bearcats, Chad Brendel mentioned this, the culture of the Bearcats needed to be repaired. And I think it has been. Maybe it wasn't so much last year because you still had players from the John Brennan era, and you still do. I mean, Adams Woods and Davenport and DeJulius are all Brennan products. More so Adams Woods and Dane is that the locker room is is repaired. There's a great culture. And yes, the Bearcats have taken their lumps this year, but there's still a lot to play for. Right now, if you look at the standings in the, Amer- in the American Athletic Conference, if you look at the standings, the Cincinnati Bearcats are tied for third with Memphis. Or I'm sorry, tied for fourth with Memphis. No, that's not right. Um... My Cincinnati math is clearly not doing me well here. Bearcats are in fifth place, half game behind Memphis, one game behind Tulane, game and a half behind Temple. 
They beat Tulane on Tuesday. Bearcats are tied with Tulane. And they are tied with Memphis. So they would have two wins over Tulane. And a loss in Memphis. I'm not sure what that would do with the standings. But you have an opportunity to really start to ascend yourself into that 2-3 range. And that's going to be what ultimately gives the Bearcats the best chance to win the conference tournament. You don't want to be in the 4-5. Let Tulane and Memphis battle it out, and then the winner of that plays Houston. If you're a 2 or 3, you could end up playing a team like Wichita State. I'll take my chances there. You could end up playing UCF. i take my chances there. And then USF, ECU, SMU, or Tulsa. Give me any one of those teams all day. And then, yeah, you might face Temple in the semifinals, or you could maybe face a team that upsets Temple. But that's why this game on Tuesday night is so important. And when you look at this game, Tulane just beats on the road in overtime. And this is still a really good offensive team. Since these teams last played on December 29th, Jalen Cook and Jalen Forbes both average around 19 points per game. And since losing to Cincinnati in the conference opener, they're 7-2. and two. They can really shoot the ball. Um, they will allow opponents to score. But you're going to have to be damn near perfect to beat them, or you're going to have to play outstanding defense. That's how I look at this game. It, 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 it could be a track meet. It could. But it could also be a game where the Bearcats' defense takes over. I mean, we saw the Bearcats' defense recently has been really good. It was good at SMU. It was good against ECU. Now, that's against bad teams in the conference. you got to find a way to do it against Tulane on the road. That's a 7 o'clock tip tomorrow night on ESPN+. Plus. Very much looking forward to that. Um, speaking of which, let's go over what we got coming up the rest of the week on tomorrow's show. He's going to be in New Orleans joining me. Mo Egger from ESPN 1530 and 700 WLW to talk all things Bearcats, Scott Satterfield, the Big 12 schedule, and tomorrow's showdown between the Bearcats and the Green Wave. Wednesday, we're going to dive into how important offensive line and wide receivers or how much of a factor they're going to play into the Bearcats' offense in 2023. Then, 12.30 Eastern Time on Wednesday, as we do every week, Russ Heldman will join me for our weekly live room and comments in the chat. That'll be through YouTube Thursday. Um, that'll be the podcast form will be up for Thursday and then working on something fun for Friday. And I will be back home in Cincinnati on Saturday. Very much looking forward to that. I'll be at the Bearcats men's basketball game Saturday against USF. So, so excited. Thank you so much for making Lockdown Bearcats your first your first listen of every day. Now, for your second listen, check out our brand new podcast, Lockdown College Basketball Ex- Experts Isaac Shade and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the basketball landscape. Lockdown College Basketball is available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Alex Frank for Lockdown Bearcats. Have a great, great rest of your day. Um. I'm on Twitter at Frankie underscore Natty with two N's and an ATI. Instagram, Alex Frank, not underscore an email at Alex3FrankieGmail.com. For Lockdown Bearcats, I'm Alex Frank. We're a part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making us your first, listen, your first listen every day. And we will talk, and I will be joined with Mo Egger tomorrow, right here on Lockdown Bearcats.